0: To the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your
1: hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith
2: FCS. Fans Nation, we are live and back. Chewing, we're home. I don't know if you heard, but the groundhog appeared, saw his shadow, and we all know what that means. Three more months of FCS college football, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the inaugural spring season and spring episode of fcs fans nation the official podcast the official stream the official video the official everything welcome back i know we've been on a long hiatus i am joined tonight with two of the three best people on the planet mr kyler neal eagles power hour himself and mr tubbs at the club chris hammond i know we just kind of threw a little shade at him in the intro video he's totally cool with it because we're all buds but gentlemen welcome back it's good to see your beautiful faces kyler how have you been i know you are down in texas how are things my man i
0: mean i'm gonna do my best to keep this pg right um because the last three days have been hell i'm out of power we just got it back about an hour or so ago i don't know if it's gonna stay on this whole podcast so if i leave i apologize but we also have no water because our pipes burst and we did everything by the book we wrapped them we we let the water run but all of our neighbors had the same issue. So I have not showered in days. I have not pooped. Um, this is this is tough, man. Yep. I said it. I don't care. You guys know what I'm going through. We don't have enough water to actually, you know, fill up the toilet. So man, it's 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 not fun. It's not fun, man. But I'm glad to be on here with you guys.
1: I'm just Tyler, glad if we re- lose you, it'll be the first time we've ever lost you to that kind of blackout.
0: Hey, I like it. We'll you, Welcome Sam. to Eastern. Yes. Shot
2: King. So this is Shot a King. Mr. Tubbs at the club. Chris Hammond and it, I'm glad you're doing well, Kyler. Thoughts, prayers, positive vibes to everybody down in Texas. I hope you guys make it through it. That's no easy thing. You just don't have the infrastructure like we do up here. So I hope you guys are doing well, and I hope everybody gets through it strong. So, uh, Chris Hammond, how are you doing, my man? How are you this uh, evening? You know, I could have been better. I'm kind of upset that Kyler is able to fix the tampered pipes
1: I did above his shower. Um, but you know, things could be better. Could be worse. We are 10 days from Big Sky kickoff. We are like three days, two days from FCS, you know, full slate of kickoffs. The world is turning in
2: in an optimistic place
1: right now. Happy to be here.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I just put out a poll. Everybody's mad right now because I did a poll on the page about what our background should be. Um, If you're listening to this right now on our podcast through Apple or through Android or any of those listening platforms through podcasting. Uh, We also have this on YouTube now. So this is why I'm going to talk about our backdrop. Our backdrop tonight is McNeese. I got a call out from a McNeese fan that said, hey, I know you have a few options for which backdrop we should be using tonight, but I think we deserve it. And you know what? You're right. Um, If you guys are seeing on the screen right now, there's footage of the snow. There's footage of the flooding that happened at McNeese. And they had an epic game with one of our newest FCS teams, uh, Tarleton. And it went into overtime and McNeese pulled it out in the end. So great matchup. Uh, outstanding game and but, it's mardi gras and it's yeah. mardi gras absolutely down there in louisiana nothing better um so welcome to the show guys just a quick reminder if you're new to the show if you've never been here we are driven by the fcs fans nation page it's on facebook instagram twitter there's 8,500 people on facebook a bunch more on other platforms uh but we are mostly ran by our members questions so our members ask us questions every week We discuss, we give our opinions, we drink some beers. Nothing's off limits. We have a question about pigs in the blanket tonight. So this is kind of your fun, relaxed podcast for FCS Fans Nation information. It's also great because we have a lot of resources like Hero Sports and Athlon that like to contribute with us. So we're going to be giving them shout outs throughout the show. But number one, guys, let's get it going right away. And I want to start with Mr. Brandon Anderson's question. It's phenomenal. Um, On a scale from one to Minneapolis Miracle. How hyped are you for the spring season? Steps into it, passes, caught, takes, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it. Kyler, what do you think, man? Are you ready to go?
0: Yeah, man, we are. What's the Minneapolis miracle? Is that, you know, the 1980 team?
2: Oh, Stephon Diggs, oh, baby. <laughs> Vikings up here. Stefan I'm not a Vikings fan, but people, they get worked up, man. Cause
0: I, I'm going to do one step above. We're, we're going to miracle. The actual movie, the 1980s Olympic team. That's how pumped I am. It's been way too long without football. Like this fall season was, was, you know, I got to watch my FBS teams, but half of them were even canceled because I'm a PAC 12 guy. So So it was a brutal long off season. And the worst thing is I'm an Eastern Washington fan. We had a letdown season last year. We don't typically have, you know, two letdown seasons, at least since I've known Eastern was a college. We have never had two letdown seasons in a row. The fall was a letdown season. We didn't play any football. It's been a full year, pretty much. Um, I'm really excited for this spring. It's it's not ideal in terms of what I really wanted. Um, You know, only a six game schedule for my team, but better than nothing. So I'm saying we're, we're defeating the Russians. That's how excited I am. (laughs)
2: Defeating the Russians. I love it. Uh, I have to admit I was wrong. Uh, People on Twitter have been calling me out and they're 100% right. I thought spring was not going to happen. I thought it was kind of just a placeholder to make us feel happy about the fall was canceled. I was saying things like cancel it. People are opting out. I was not the optimist. So I have to take the loss on this one, guys. Um, And now that it's actually here and like I'm going to be in the Dome on Sunday watching Youngstown NDSU. Catching up with all the other games that are happening, that huge matchup on Friday with SDSU, you and I. I mean, I am Jack. Like, all the jitters are back. I was thinking I could just be like, let's cancel and go through the fall, but I'm pumped. So, um, that Minneapolis miracle gives me uh, shivers every time, even though I'm not a Vikings fan. And this season, this spring season is doing the same thing. I'm excited to get back at it. So, and Chris, uh, obviously with Idaho, but around the big sky, you're coming into your guys' uh, next FCS season at this level. You're ready to go, man? Yeah, I mean this. This feels like one. You know, Kyle already rubbed it in my face.
1: I, I wish seven win season was a letdown. I'm not quite there yet. I'm here to represent all you other FCS fans out there that don't have an eight out of nine national championship or like six conference championships in the last year or Duke Dog D Law, who's got three national title appearances. I'm here for you guys. Like here we are. We're your average FCS fans. If I'm throwing it in right here, we already pissed like pissed off in SOTO. What's hit Wisconsin? This feels like Russell Wilson in the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Packers coming out of nowhere. Didn't think it was going to happen. Absolutely impossible. Yet out of nowhere, things start lining up. Next thing you know, Jermaine Curse sliding touchdown.
2: Seahawks return to the Super Bowl, and we won't touch on what happens after that moment. (laughs) (laughs) We won't bring it up. So, Chris, just for all you guys out there, Chris is for the average fan. So throw Kyler and Lawrence we're, and I overboard Chris is there for the average guy, average man or woman. He is there for you guys. Joe that's, average Vandal.
0: That's the reason why we had to bring Chris on. You know, people were starting to comment. All you have are the winners. You have the three you top programs of the decade. We're like, you know what? Just because of that, we need to bring on someone who is a complete letdown that letdown is Chris Hammond. And he is the new admin. The letdown is here. The average fan is here. We are ready.
2: We are ready to go guys. Amazing. Um, Let's start rolling into some questions, boys, because we actually got some great ones from some of the people on the page. And let me just brief like I always do. Brandon Anderson was just a pop-up. I can nail that one. But if I butcher your name first or last, I'm also sorry. And I also did not intend it. So last names are not my strength. I'll try my best. Okay, guys. But Let's kick it off right away with Mr. Scott Moody. Love this question from Scott. He wants to know who were the surprise teams that opted out of the spring season and what were their reasons? So Scott's really curious in terms of, obviously, we had some surprises. We had actually quite a few teams still in it that we didn't expect. Who were some of those surprise teams for you, uh, Chris and Kyler, right off the bat? Chris, what do you think, man? What kind of shocked you as you saw teams dropping out?
1: You know, I know everybody around the country is going to expect me to say Montana. Uh,
2: I'm on record for
1: saying I didn't think the Montanas were going to play in the spring. Uh, The team that really shocked me, surprisingly, was Northern Colorado. The people that followed the big sky. Portland State, Sac State had opted out in October. Portland State, Montana, Montana State, all on a president's meeting, decided they talked, who wants to move forward? Montana, Montana State, and Portland State all said, we're out. Great. We got it. Everybody else is going to move forward. They're redoing the schedules. They got everything all lined up. And then like six days later, Northern Colorado all of a sudden decides that they're not going to play. The reason they gave was player safety. They did not all of a sudden within six days realize that their players were less safe than they were six days ago. So for me, that one just came as like a what's really changed within the last six days. So that one really irked me. And then also right now, the Georgetown Hoyas being the only team out of the Patriots to not be playing, shocking.
2: Great call. Great call with that. I feel the same way with Indiana State. They kind of did the same thing in the Missouri Valley, came out of nowhere. They were ready to play, and suddenly they're dropping out. Um, a big generic cop-out answer for me is I would say everybody, because you guys know I was the downer of like the spring season's not happening. So I'm shocked that – I'm more shocked that there's this many teams playing then teams opting out. I'm surprised that we're still aiming for a playoff, but that's all good things. That means that things are moving forward progressively with COVID throughout the country. So that's good stuff. So I'll take the hit on that. Um, I but Indiana State did surprise me. I thought the Valley would get all of them. So Kyler, what do you think? Any different different opinions on that? Yeah, I'm actually say the whole MIAC. The the MIAC just canceled, you know, the whole spring
0: season, and, and it's a bummer because they finally got an auto bid again. You know, this spring there's no celebration bowl you know they finally get an auto bid we were going to see north carolina ant we were going to see someone from the MiAC, and all of a sudden you know six of the nine teams canceled um pretty last minute i mean there was a couple that canceled a while ago but some just started canceling within the last couple of weeks and then what was it just the last few days the MiAC just decided all right six of the nine teams are canceled we're not we're not playing um so i think that's the biggest surprise just because We were looking forward to seeing, you know, a conference in the playoffs that we typically haven't seen since 2016. Um, You know, the Celebration Bowl has been in there, and we haven't had anyone from the MEAC as an at-large since 2016, I believe. And I think it was North Carolina A&T. I think they played UNI, and uh, it wasn't a pretty outcome. So I know they wanted to, um, you know, go in there, show that they can compete with the top dogs before they go to another conference. But, um, yeah, man, I I was just surprised. But the good news is, I guess, we get
2: one more at-large. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it, the good thing is, is that we're still pushing forward with what I would say is the majority of teams. I know Sam Herter through hero sports has been updating. Here's our opt outs. Here's our opt-ins. And it looks like we're overwhelmingly still up there. So I think we're 30 something of opt-outs with the me. 35, on it. 35 opt-outs. 35 opt-outs. Yep. So we're still looking good. I think we're going to, we've learned a lot from the FBS and we should be able to move forward. So hopefully that answers your question a little bit, Scott. Uh, Bruce Edmondson. My man from Jacksonville State, this is a really good question because it's something I'm passionate about. Um, He wants to know halfway through the 2020 season, is your top 25 right now based on the year's performance from 2019 or are you considering all these other factors? He wants to know if 2019 weighs heavily into your current top 25. And I'll just say personally, I always take the last year and kind of throw it out. It doesn't mean a lot to me. The roster and what returns with production plus coaching means a ton for me. So I'm viewing a JMU. I put them outside my top five at six. I know that seems like a cardinal sin, like you could give them the benefit of the doubt. But based off what I'm seeing, I could see them being a lot like that team that lost to Colgate after their really successful year. They brought a lot back and returned in 2019, but I'm not seeing a lot there. I put South Dakota State above and I because of the transfer portal, uh, because of a lot of those people that went to the NFL draft. Uh, their big offensive tackle, their defensive end. So mm, for me personally, it is all about looking at what the roster is bringing up coming forward. I think, honestly, this is going to sound super biased from the unbiased unbiased buys and admin. The only benefit of the doubt at this point until we're proven wrong is NDSU. Um, I could be corrected by folks on that. But besides that, everything else, it's hard to not give a benefit of the doubt. So uh, what, what do you guys think about that? How are you preparing your top 25s?
0: Yeah, I, I guess I'll go. I think you have to do a culmination of a couple things. You have to do historic data. It's not just, you know, because again, historic data is going to prove a lot of the times what type of commits you're getting, what type of athletes you're getting. You know, I'll, it's, it's very tough to have a very bad team continue to get really good athletes. The winners typically end up getting better athletes, right? That's just one of the flaws. So I would say you, you have to look at, you know, the last couple of years, not just last year you also have to look at what they're returning like Matt said um, wh- which key positions are returning coaching so I think it's a culmination of everything and you can't really just say you know yeah I do my top 25 on just last year's performance because the teams have completely changed but I don't think you can completely throw out last year's um, standings or anything like that you have to look at what what this team did last year what did they do in 2018? What did they return from these two teams? What type of recruiting did they get the last couple of years? What type of coaching has changed? Um, What, you know, and, and see what they're all bringing back for this spring season. Now, like for instance, Jacksonville States, I had them probably outside of my top 25 and I'm not that impressed with their out of conference record, but they got to play. They are going to be more prepped than any other team for this spring because they played the most games that are actually coming and playing this spring. That bumped them up in my rankings. Um, because they are going to be prepped, they got a lot more practice than most of the teams in the FCS. They are, they should be well prepped. So, I don't think it's just a yeah, it's last year's performance or it's even just who's their returning, it's a culmination of tons of different aspects that you really have to analyze, put in your top 25.
1: Oh man, this is gonna be my last time on the show. So, I have North Dakota State at number three, and I have James Madison <laughs> at six or seven. Because, as you said, typically, I think when you do a top 25 poll you do have to take a little bit of the previous year's, you know, results into play. It's only about nine months old, nine, you know, 80%, 70, 80% of that roster is coming back for most teams. um, If not more. So you got to take it in, in effect, but this year with how people transferred out with opt-outs in the fall transfers coming in that played a little bit this fall, you almost have to take this pool strictly as its own. As an Idaho fan, you take the fall 2020, you know, Uh, top 25. Idaho's not getting top 25 votes. Now we're getting top 25 votes because things have happened within our program over the last calendar year and a half since we've had football. So I think a lot of people are viewing what's going on. My reasoning for NDSU being it's been so Trey Lance. Yeah, I get it. It's NDSU. I'm the new kid on the block here. I think Zeb Nolan's got a shot But for me, he's got to kind of prove it before I'm just going to give NDSU the one. And I get that that is going to be very unpopular by many people on this. But I had South Dakota State, who has so much returning proven talent there, and Weber State, where, yes, they did also lose a quarterback. I think most people would agree that is addition by subtraction. The fact that Jake Constantine probably detracted from the offense more than he added to it, where I think Trey Lance is probably the best quarterback NDSU's ever had. So I think you can expect that maybe a natural step back three might be overzealous, but I'm trying to correct for the, uh, the flow that is the, the FCS fans
2: nation voting. I want to ask Kyler about that uh, quarterback thing that Chris brought up because I think it's a really heavy point, but even on that NDSU thing, be aware that NDSU will have three new starting offensive linemen. Uh, Phoenix Sproles is out, you know, so you got another receiver behind Christian Watson. They do return quite a bit for like their top corner, a top safety. They have new linebackers coming in. Uh, so there's a lot of different dynamics for NDSU. So you're not totally off to think like, oh, maybe they're not number one. So it shouldn't just have to be a straight justification. But um, I want to move on to the next question, but I do want to get this quick from you, Kyler. How big is the quarterback? Zeb Nolan, SDSU's in a quarterback competition right now. Weber State, we're unsure how they'll perform. JMU, a new quarterback. You and I, we believe we'll have one of the better quarterbacks as Redshirt sophomore coming in. You got guys like Under Cuffler at Albany coming back. But these top teams are all going to have quarterback questions where someone like you guys at Eastern do not. So how much is that way a factor? I just want to get your thoughts on that real quick. East Eastern's the only school in the big sky returning a quarterback. That's what's right. nuts, is the quarterback turnover is being massively underplayed. Which one will step up and which one won't could honestly tip balances in terms of who wins the national title
0: so at the end of the day i think the quarterback returning especially if he's a good quarterback let's throw out jake constantine sorry if you're listening jake constantine we're gonna keep bashing you uh but if you have a really good quarterback and they are returning that automatically puts your team in the right step forward it is really tough to replace a quarterback now here's the one thing i disagree with chris hammond i have doubted ndsu's quarterbacks Um, time and time again, I'm not doing that. It's their system. It's their coaching. It's their everything. Um, Zed Nolan is going to be a top tier quarterback in the FCS level day one. I just, I can't put any doubt on it anymore. Even if I haven't really seen him perform. I mean, I put NDSU what, like three last year and then they went undefeated. Those bastards, I just can't do it. They've proven me wrong time and time again. There's only been one season where I've gotten it right, and I put them as not the number one seed in 2016. I was like, they're not going to re- – that's the only time I've ever gotten it right. So um, North Dakota State, typically I agree with Chris on everything he said, besides there's an exception and it's North Dakota State. But, yeah, having a quarterback returning, especially in the spring season, that actually doesn't count to their eligibility is even better. Because now, like, uh, for instance, an Eric Berrier, a Zarek Cooper, these are top tier quarterbacks at the FCS level. This spring doesn't count. They're already juniors or seniors, I guess. Um, this is basically going to act as a junior. They get to come back in the fall if they choose. This doesn't just help the spring. It helps the fall. But having a returning quarterback already increases your chance of having a better season than having a new quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean having a new quarterback doesn't make it perform better. Like Chris said with Jay Constantine, Weaver State is going to have an upgraded quarterback no matter what. But... At the end of the day, their offense still hasn't proven that their quarterbacks can do anything. So um, it's different. But, yeah, having a quarterback returning is a step up.
1: My one thing I will say is I believe Quincy Patterson, the Virginia Tech transfer at North Dakota State, will have the job in the fall. And that's why I think in DSU you're going to see absolutely be unquestioned number one again. I just think Zeb Nolan is not quite Quincy Patterson. And at the end of the day, the number three ranking
2: is only bad for a school like North Dakota State. Most teams (laughs) would be thrilled to be number three. Facts. Yeah, you're you're right on that. Uh, Great stuff, guys. Hey, moving into, I'm going to combine two of these folks because I think they kind of play off each other. Two of our best fans out there, Jamie Williams, who we did shots with and hung out with in Frisco. Great guy. Hope to do the same with Joshua Hoffman, combining their stuff a little bit. Um, Jamie Williams wants to know, I think most agree that NDSU is number one and two and five in some order. You've got some JMU, you've got SDSU besides Chris. Um, And then, you know, Weber State. He wants to know of a team that you can kind of see as being that right now being undervalued that could have a potential playoff run. Um, And then Joshua Hoffman's question is very similar to where who's the underdog story and is it more likely this season? Um, Mine's not really an underdog, Joshua, to kind of roll into my thoughts. But I am going with Sam Houston, who Hero Sports currently has top 25 right now. I'm going to cheat and look up, but I wrote this down because I was very impressed by it. 2019, they were six and five. The defense gave up 16 and a half points a game in 2019 and five losses. You ready for this? 39 31 to FBS New Mexico, four point loss to UND, three point loss to Lamar in overtime four-point loss to rank Central Arkansas, three-point loss to Northwestern State, also had a quarterback who was injured quite a bit during the year. And I'm like, okay, so losses all under 10 points, including one that was FBS, a defense which we were all really impressed by, returning head coach, returning quarterback, that to me spells a recipe for somebody who could have a really successful spring season. And I'm not saying national title. Everyone's queuing up jokes right now for Sam Houston getting crushed in the semis or something. But for somebody who's not expected to do something, that would be my example, which is the Sam Houston Bearcats. So, Chris, you got an example of who you think? I'll take Kyler. I'll make Kyler have to think about this one. Eastern Washington.
1: Uh, we just touched on with the returning quarterback. It is probably not even debatable at this point With from what we've read, Zarek Cooper for Jacksonville State probably being out this spring with a leg injury. Unquestionably at this point, other than maybe under Cuffler, Eric Barrier is absolutely the best returning starter at corner quarterback going into this season that being said eastern is only two seasons it feels longer because of no fall removed from being in the fcs national title game pieces were there aaron best was the coach of that team until kind of we talked about with ndsu until you're proven otherwise one bad down year for eastern washington that was still seven wins should not really punish them when they have arguably the number one returning guy for the walter payton award coming back so if there was a team outside of you know the 5 he listed it's it's probably eastern washington and which is how i believe it all happened in 2018 as well they started about like 18 to 12 and made it, it actually entered the playoffs as like a 6 seed and made it all the way to the run would not be shocked if the exact same thing happens this year 5 and 1 going to the playoffs cuz they don't play or they don't play weber and weber goes 6 and 0 oh, and they kind of make that surprise run where it seems like an underdog but they're absolutely not an underdog.
0: I mean, we were a three seed, but who's counting? (laughs) You. (laughs) Uh, No, I actually think those are all good picks. For one, I know a lot about Eastern Washington. I know what they're returning. We also have a fairly easy schedule. That is favorable. Now, Idaho should be improving, but until they prove me wrong, I'm not going to count that as a loss yet. Okay. Um, Now, I think Matt, If we're looking at a team that is maybe under the radar that shouldn't be, I think your pick is perfect, especially because I went to a Sam Houston game and they shut down the best quarterback in the Southland. Um, They, they, he scored zero points. Like they shut them down. The defense is so improved compared to the Sam Houston we've seen in recent years. And they had their third string quarterback. Like you mentioned, it wasn't just one quarterback injured. They had a third string quarterback and they started running the wildcat with their wide receiver. Who's never really taken a snap. I think Sam Houston is on the rise. This season, though, man, I don't know if I can really say who's going to be a dark horse because there's only five at-large bids. I don't, I don't really think there is a dark horse this season. I think that the perennial powers are the perennial powers, and those are the only ones that are probably going to get an at-large. If if you're asking about who's going to potentially make a deeper run than expected, maybe a team like Kennesaw, who's actually returning some talent. This is only their second year in like their first official draft class because you know they started only five, six years ago. This is after some success. This is a second year where they actually have some talent coming in that maybe we didn't anticipate they had before. Now I'm not sold with the triple option. That's another argument, but I really, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't think there is a dark horse. I don't think there's a sack state. I don't think there's an Austin P I just don't see it because we have so limited actual playoff bids. I mean, if you're throwing out a dark horse, Someone from the CA that we're not really gonna think about. Um, you know, Towson's out. Albany—they got a returning quarterback with Jeff Undercuffler. He's a stud. Um, but I mean, you can't count out New Hampshire. They've been proven over time and time again. Uh, but I mean, Elon—they got a couple studs. I don't see a true dark horse this season. So I, I don't know if I can give you just one team that I got faith in.
2: Yeah, to, to bounce off that, the CAA—it's amazing how they split it up. You can almost argue that right now, it's like jmu 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 i get it jmu schedule is beyond weak it's crazy how weak it is not to say they'll be a bad team but if you looked at the other division it's going to be a new hampshire delaware villanova dogfight, and one of them is not getting the auto bid because jmu is going to go undefeated because it's just a cakewalk um so they will come in as not the auto bid not the seed and it's possible they are more battle tested and with one loss or two they run through it. So Kyler, great point. You brought that up. It made me click and think about, yeah, that other CAA team who's not eight and no JMU possibly could run it. So yeah, great points guys. And you segway great. Honestly, Kyler with your, with your Kennesaw stuff, because Jacob Martinez, who is a Kennesaw fan man. Uh, wants to know who will be the best teams that likely miss the playoffs because we have so few at large spots, which is something you were already bouncing off of. Um, If you want to expand on that a little bit more, my man, who do you think is like more of a threat to be losing out on these very valuable playoff positions?
0: So it's going to be crazy. Um, For one, I'm not going to say the big sky because, you know, two or three of the top tier teams left, you know, they're not, they're not playing. So I I don't think, you know, we really even have an argument to send three teams in if we want it, because the strength of schedules are so weak. You're going to get something between Weber for sure an Eastern Washington or someone else um, taking that second spot. Maybe a UC Davis, maybe an Idaho, maybe a Cal Poly. It's kind of in the running, who knows? But um, teams that have left out, here's the deal, man. I think the OVC, depending on what JSU does, if they run through the OVC, you might get a SEMO that's completely left out because there's only five bids, and they should be a playoff caliber team. You're going to get a CAA team who deserves a bid. Maybe it's, like you just said, the North is the gauntlet for the CA. The South is super cakewalking so maybe that New Hampshire, maybe that Villanova, one of them will probably get some type of at large. The other one's sitting at home and they're a team that could probably beat most of the conference champions that are actually coming into the playoffs. But I'm going to say it, the Missouri Valley, man, I, they're not getting four teams in the playoffs because we have so limited. There's going to be a top 15, maybe two top twenties, maybe three top 25s that are sitting at home. Um, And Indiana state, not Indiana State, A Southern Illinois is a playoff caliber team from everything they're returning, from everything they've been building on the last couple of years, they're most likely not going to hit the playoffs. Illinois State, I don't see them hitting the playoffs. And these are not teams that you can't tell me are not 25, top 25 caliber teams. They are playoff caliber teams, but due to the schedule and the gauntlet of the Valley, the Valley is not sending home, you know, they're four or five teams like normal.
2: And those Valley teams have to earn it too. Southern Illinois. They got to earn it, man. No easy
0: road in the Valley.
2: I stood on that hill. I took the knives in the back of a Southern Illinois D2 win last year. You didn't beat any of the big three, you and I, SDSU, NDSU. And then they were seven and everyone was like, well, we know they're better than these auto bids. That's great, but you got to earn your stripes, especially this year. You got to earn it. You need those big wins. And does it stink that other teams will get a cakewalk? Well, you have to go earn it. It does. But at the end of the day, don't let the committee decide your fate. So, um, I also kind of personally feel like the like the second OBC team that we're not used to seeing. Like last year, Semo, Austin P, and Austin P goes to Montana State and upsets Sac State, and then they're off to Montana State. They lose not a, in a blowout fashion. Like that team, we're like, whoa, where'd they come from? We're gonna miss out on that. That's my opinion. You're gonna miss that like second Ohio Valley team that nobody has faith in, which is unfortunate. But it is what it is. It's it's the climate right now. So, Chris, is there anything else we're kind of missing for who we could not be seeing in these playoffs? Somebody, something you're passionate yeah. about? Yeah, so obvious, obviously
1: it's going to be the fourth, third, and third spot of the CAA Missouri Valley, and you know where they would usually get a bid and they're not going to. They're going to be good teams that aren't going in. The one I think isn't getting enough coverage, as you kind of touched on, is the two from one of those conferences that usually gets an AQ that you don't really expect. And in my opinion, it's going to be the Big South, and it's going to be either Monmouth or Kennesaw. People forget Monmouth won the big South last year and Kennesaw got the at-large bid. These two teams have had probably over the last two to three seasons, a really good battle at the top of that conference. There is no way that conference is getting an at-large bid this year, which means one of those teams, which is actually a pretty good team, most likely could be Kennesaw. Even though we have more Kennesaw fans on the board that carries more weight and people forget that Monmouth is a pretty dang good team on their own accord. And one of those two teams will miss the playoffs, while one of them goes in. Will they make a deep run? Probably not, but
2: somebody will be at home watching the other one week uh, round one. In a regular season where the scheduling is not fair, it has never been more critical. It's just absolutely—it's going to be insanity. I hate to say it; it's going to stink for a lot of fans and a lot of fan bases, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, imagine if NDSU loses to an SDSU, you and I, and and that other team's undefeated. The, the narrative will be, does NDSU make the field? Now, they probably still do, but we can at least talk about that. When have we ever said, does NDSU make the field in the last decade? Like, we, we don't do it. You could, they could have a lot two games. We're going to have opportunities to have a lot of fun uh, with this with this spring season. And fortunately, it's going to come at the cost of some fan base's hearts. So, uh, great question. We appreciate that, Jacob. Awesome stuff. Uh, last two here, guys, before we get into kind of some of the non-serious questions, as you know, we like to do on our podcast. Uh, Brent Evans, awesome fan on our page. With no FBS games and shortened regional schedules, how many undefeated teams will there be in the spring regular season? Um, so how many undefeated teams, guys, are we going to see? I'll throw a few of them out there that I'm kind of thinking. I think Kennesaw runs the table. I think James Madison runs the table. I think Weber State runs the table. That's just based off of their level of competition that they're going to be playing in their matchups. Um, I see one Valley team going undefeated. I don't know who it is. I think somebody. everyone's predicting that there's going to be a, just a mashup in the Valley. I think one of them gets undefeated. Um, I think it's popular to say they're going to beat up on each other. I don't know if it's NDSU, SDSU, you and I, but I think one of them pulls it off. So, for you guys, how many are you predicting for undefeateds? Do you see it being more than four or five to where we have to decide between those seeds? What are you kind of thinking, Chris, in terms of undefeateds? Even though it's it's pretty far out, you got to really put yourself out here for this one. So the
1: the big three are basically set it up right so that their top playoff caliber team. Gets a spot. It's no secret when you look at the Big Sky. There's a reason why Eastern Washington and Weber State are not playing each other. The Big Sky's hope is both teams go six and zero, and they can guarantee a six and zero Eastern Washington that shares a title with Weber, even though it might not outrank them in the playoffs to get the AQ. Will get an at large. So I think you actually can expect a lot of undefeated teams. Every conference that has over you know nine is basically setting up their conference to have their best team, like a James Madison or a Weber State, really be easy. The only one that really hasn't done that is the Missouri Valley. I could see you having upwards of six or seven undefeated teams. I could see the Big Sky having two undefeated teams. I could see maybe someone escaping the CAA as two undefeated teams. Missouri Valley, I agree with you. I think somebody will come out undefeated, either North Dakota State or South Dakota State most likely, maybe you and I. But I think that paired with obviously the Big South, Kennesaw or Monmouth, one of them's going to win and they're not going to lose another game. Uh, the OVC, probably similar. Um, Patriot, et cetera. Like at some point, there's going to be that one team that separates from the rest of the conference and with no out of conference this year. If you look going back, I don't have it at just conference records. I feel like most of the time the team that wins the conference probably goes undefeated or very close to it.
2: So I would go six to seven. Good luck to the committee. Good luck, yeah. folks. <laughs> they're gonna earn their face checks this year. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have riots outside wherever they're deciding who makes the field. Um, Kyler, you what do you think? Do you think it's more four or five, or do you think it's gonna be on that upward trajectory the way Chris brought up?
0: Um, probably actually in between. You guys, um, I think five is probably a good number. For one, San Diego. When was the last time they lost a conference game? It's been five, six years. And Dayton, their strongest competitor, is gone. San Diego, let's mark them off as they're going undefeated. Let's mark off JMU looking at their schedule. If they do not go undefeated, then they do not deserve to go to the playoffs. I'm being honest with you. JMU, if you lose, you don't deserve a playoff bid. Weber State, you do not deserve a playoff bid if you do not go undefeated. Eastern Washington, the big sky, like Chris said, he definitely set him up. Am I saying we're gonna go undefeated? No. We have a better chance to go undefeated than not go undefeated. We'll see um the big sky definitely set us up to have an easier schedule i think jsu the way they played this off season they have now you know zarek cooper's gone but you know what he only had one touchdown in the in his four out of conference games and one interception it's not like he did much to make it make jsu win they got a lot of practice i think they run through the ovc i think sam houston has a chance to run through the Southland, especially since you know central arkansas is out you know the team that's kind of dominated the Southland in the last couple of years um I think we're going to have anywhere between four to six undefeated teams. You could have a SWAC team that's undefeated, like Grambling Alcorn state pulled out. Um, So we're going to see what happens. I would say five is probably a realistic number on how many undefeated teams we have.
2: Outstanding. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute dogfight and good luck to the committee on trying to figure that out. Also, I want to throw it out there because I do every first episode every year. Actually, it's literally just because it's my prediction, but Me and Brian from Hero Sports, we really are sold on Furman. And every year I get let down by them. But this is finally the year. They're number eight in Hero Sports. Furman's going undefeated. F you all day. F you all day. Furman's doing it. Yep. I don't get it.
0: Does Furman pay Hero Sports? It it is (laughs) ridiculous how much they get top 10 bids and they can't win a freaking playoff game. uh, No, that's Northern
1: Northern Iowa pays.
0: Yeah, but Northern Iowa would stomp Furman. I'm saying it. I am saying it. Northern Iowa's offense is complete. So, you know what? Screw being PG. I'm I'm going off. Hero Sports, stop it with the Furman crap. Stop it. They're not a top 10
2: team. It's the recruiting class. The recruiting classes are always super solid. They're bringing in good players. Is it you? Is it
0: top 10 team? No. Get out of here.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) Furman, I need you because... I, I edit these episodes, so I need you to look at me. Look at me, Furman. I need you to do this. <laughs> so then when you're in the quarterfinals, I'm going to show Kyler right on the screen saying this. Hey, I, I real, need this from you.
0: <laughs> real question. When was the last time Furman was even a quarterfinal team?
2: Uh, probably before. Because has
0: been the only team in the SoCon for a long time.
2: We Let's all see. know, we all know my predictions are the worst. So I'm it's definitely up. before. It's definitely before I started predicting them to be really good every single year, which is the last three seasons. Okay,
0: they have not been a quarterfinal team since before Matthew Frazee had even thoughts of kids. We like things all about the world and trees and football playing. Matthew Frazee was still in junior high trying to kiss the pretty girl in school, and he only graduated with four people. So it was normally not the pretty girl. It was, you know, Chris Hammond. The last Same time they bad. went to the quarterfinals was, was in 2005, <laughs> But yet Hero Sports every year puts them as a top 10 team. And you know what? They got beat by Austin P last year, 46, 42 to 6. They got stomped by Wafford, who was another Silicon team, 28 to 10 in the playoffs before. They got beat by North Dakota State, 38 to 7. They got beat by Montana State, 31 to 13. They are getting blown out. Every playoffs they are not a top 10 caliber team hero sports. If you keep putting them in your top 10, I'm just going to say it here live. You are the worst FCS. <laughs> I'm joking. Hero sports. I love you guys, but some, some reason you guys have a hard on for her Furman and it is not deserved.
2: Uh, we're going to have to have Sam and Brian on here to defend them. <laughs> uh, Seriously. The, uh...
1: Jeez. Who shat your cereal? This, if, you're
2: new, if you're new to the show, just be aware. Uh, Matt Frazee likes to throw out things where he thinks about stuff and emotion is involved and then Kyler crushes it with straight facts. So we're, we're kind of like skip and, uh, Stephen, a back in the day, Stephen, a was very wise with actual thought and skip was just completely irrational. So I'll take the irrational side, but I'm not as trying, I'm not trying to go as viral as skip Bayless. So, um, guys, moving into our final big question here, um, we're talking about the Atlantic Sun. So the ASUN coming in, the big new conference for FCS football. Obviously, they have other athletic sports, but we have five FCS teams that are currently a part of it. Central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky, Jacksonville State, Northern Alabama, and Kennesaw State. And have all committed, they're going to be playing in this new conference. They're looking to add at least another six member for that football conference. I'm sure they would want more. But at this point, guys, we have questions from Brandon Owens and Chris Matthews. Uh, With the addition of the ASUN, could we possibly have the big three turn into a big four? Who are some of the next teams you're looking to see jump into that conference or who are they going to try to poach? And what are your expectations for the OVC now that they've lost kind of their heavy hitters? I'll take that heavy hitter OVC one if you guys are okay, unless you uh, really are passionate about it. I kind of think that SEMO and Austin P are going to be able to just carry the torch. I'm not going to say they're not going to have the same amount of success, but over these last couple of years, they have shown that they can compete with Jacksonville state, meaning we're not going to see Jacksonville state, which used to just run the OBC like crazy, go away. And we're like, Oh, Ohio Valley now is complete junk because you've seen these teams who are coming in, recruiting better, getting better coaching hires and having more success. So I actually think the OBC is not going to have as much of a massive drop off. Jacksonville state is a big loss because they're such a good brand. Um, so that is a big L for them. But at the same time, I do think the OVC is not going to like absolutely turn into complete trash. So I think they'll be OK. But what are your guys' expectations for new teams joining? And how do you think they'll be viewed in comparison to what the big three conference is? And when we say big three, as of right now, these things rotate. But in the last decade, it's been CAA, Valley, and of course, Big Sky. What do you guys think on that one?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take the the at least big three aspect. Um Here's the deal, A-Sun, hey, man, it's a promising young conference. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all are not a power four yet. The, the tide has not changed. The Big Sky last year had more semifinal teams than any of those schools have had in the last 20 years. So you can't tell me that now this new conference is automatically a power four when you know there's one semifinal appearance between all of those teams in the last 20 plus years. You know, sure. Eastern Kentucky used to be a dominant team back before I was born. You know, I don't don't even remember how long it was. It was in the eighties or something, right? It was a long time ago. Um, Jacksonville state has a lot of promise. The cool thing about this conference, and I will say they have a lot of potential, but you need to prove it because your playoff records between all of them are not good enough yet. Right now. I see a lot of second round and quarterfinal teams at best. Um, That does not mean you're a Power Four conference, but the good news is there's a lot of promise in these teams. If this, this is by far the fourth best conference right off the bat, it, they become the fourth best conference with the teams they added, but it's not a power four, but they are going to be battle tested. Now these teams are going to battle with each other all season long, which Matthew phrase, you said this in the beginning, maybe JMU isn't battle tested and then they don't perform the way they should in the playoffs, having these teams in the same conference, they are going to be battle tested. These are all good caliber teams. And if they are going to be battle tested, maybe we're going to start seeing this number in the playoffs go up. Maybe they're going to be in the semifinals every year. Maybe they're going to be a championship caliber team every single year out of the new A-Sun. I don't know. But right now, from the looks of it, they're easily the fourth best fourth best conference. But there's still a gap between number four and number three until you start proving it in the postseason. And I think, you know, some of you fans will probably hate me for saying that. But I'm being realistic. If you're not proving it in the postseason, you are not on the same caliber yet. So once you prove it in the postseason, you're going to be a potential power four conference And when you guys are battle tested, you guys should have better postseason results. So I'm excited. I think there's a lot of potential to eventually be the power for a conference. But right now, there's still a big gap until you guys start proving it.
2: I really like what you said in terms of the battle tested and battle testing and recruiting and coaching hires too, because now they're going to have to push each other in those things. They can't just be like, we're top dog, we're top dog. They're going to have to kind of sell what Valley and Big Sky teams do is like, you're playing against the toughest competition and that will elevate things. So. I'm it excited was. to see it. Very, very well said. Chris, do you have any Atlantic Sun uh, opinions on how you think this whole thing's going to play out?
1: Yeah. Uh, the WAC is already a better conference than the ASUN.
2: Uh, you brought it up. Ooh. Earn your stripes.
1: I'm sorry. How many ASUN teams have been in the national championship this past decade? I believe the WAC, Sam Houston, made it twice. Y- yeah. The ASUN has one. Yeah. They each Ooh. have one team. Oh, Jacksonville State. State. That's right. Uh, either way, I still think. We brought it up as part of the question. You add teams, right? Because the A Sun is not going to play at six. They don't even automatically qualify for the playoffs at six. So teams are going to have to be added. But you look at what the Wax done. Tarleton State just took McNeese, a our background tonight. A, a typical, decent team in the FCS. That they're has in a blue lot of blood. History. Yeah, they're yeah. in blue blood. Took them to double overtime as their first division one game. That program is only going to get better. Then you look at well, Southern Utah is a crapshoot. That was a stupid hire. But Dixie State, very ambitious town. I think Dixie State's on the up and up. You have Sam Houston. You have Stephen F. Austin. You have teams there that can make the WAC easily better than the A Sun. Difference is the WAC is there. The WAC's footprint is set. Maybe I know they're shooting for Weber. NAU maybe. Neither Weber would add a lot. I don't think Weber's leaving. NAU maybe, but you're looking, you gotta add some teams. And what to go with Matt said. Austin P fits that footprint, baby. You had an Austin P and a SEMO. You already have Central Arkansas. Now you're giving Central Arkansas and SEMO. That becomes a game. Now you have Austin P and North Alabama. They're kind of close. All of a sudden, you kind of have this game that starts brewing into this conference, having SEMO, Austin P, Jacksonville State, Northern, North Alabama, Central Arkansas, and a bunch of Kennesaw State, all these playoff kind of teams. And now you're like a really, really good conference. Possibly. I mean, we'll see. Maybe NCA and T is a team that thinks about, well, now the Big South doesn't make sense. Maybe we just go to the A-Sun instead. There are teams in that footprint that could elevate them to 100% be the Big Four. But right now, I think the WAC is 100% a better conference than what the current A-Sun is. But I think the A-Sun has a lot of potential to pass the WAC for that fourth spot. I think in a couple of years, we're going to have to admit that the WAC is probably the five and we're going to be the power five, but the WAC is going to be like the Pac-12 if we're taking an FBS of the power five. Dang. I'm
0: going I'm to disagree on the WAC better than the A-Sun right now. I think you have Sam Houston right now. Now, ACU, they have some facilities. They got some money. Oh. ACU can can turn it up and they can actually be a pretty good program in the next few years. Tarleton State, we've already seen it. They actually bullied, you know, Stephen F. Austin last year. They they took McNeese down to the wire, who is a blue blood. Now, McNeese has not been the same McNeese as they were 10 plus years ago, but they are still a blue blood. They're like a Delaware. You just can't always count them out. But um, I got to say the A-Sun right now is better than the WAC outside of one team. Sam Houston still gets the credit over any other A-Sun team um, until, you know, you get a couple teams that have made the semifinals more than once in their, you know, last 30 plus years, whatever it is. but. I think the A-Sun has more potential than the WAC right now. Um, the A-Sun has more potential than, it seems like the CAA is regressing. I'm not going to say the a Sun's better than the CAA by any means, but right now potential in the next 15 plus years, JMU's probably gone from the CAA. <laughs> if JMU is gone and maybe a couple other big CAA players, maybe the A-Sun jumps into a top <laughs> three, maybe a top two conference. Yeah. But right now they're just not it.
1: And McNeese and nickel A sun footprint. Too. They do. If they, oh. if they
0: add that's huge. Yeah. They if have, they have huge. a
1: lot of blue buds they could pick from to make yeah. them 100% of power for, but where they're currently at, I'm not giving it to them, but they Same. have, a, they can sway some hell. They could sway JMU. Don't think that's going to happen, but the potential is there for them to absolutely rock it. Yeah. Potential is huge.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Really well said guys. We could see the Atlantic sun being very competitive. Moving forward, especially for playoff games, so those are all kind of what we deemed our more serious questions, guys. We're kind of go a little bit more rapid fire with these other ones, but we're going to knock out and we answer everyone's questions like we always do. Um, starting with Mr. Adam Willie, this one's just for you, Chris. With he's got the sign here. If you're watching on YouTube, it's like the Pac-Man arrow. Is Idaho better than just like in math class? Better than Montana? Are they better than them? I don't know this, if he's referring to football or like. I think from academic uh, standards, but he just wants to know. What do
1: you think? Well, academically, we are rated higher by U.S. News and World Report than Montana by quite a bit. But as a state, it all just depends on what you want, man. You want public lands. Idaho has the largest protected wilderness in the lower continental, uh, 48, outside of Alaska and the Frank Church River of No Return. Uh, Idaho is the majority public land. That is the difference. Montana is majority private land. If you like public lands, you want your wilderness to be your wilderness, idaho if you want to own land and have paid people to come on to it capitalism at its finest montana wait you but guys beat nevada? are great states you yeah. beat nevada in public lands yes uh Damn. i don't know in public lands but we have the largest protected
0: gotcha altogether like, public I thought, land i thought 98 percent.
1: Like no Mo- montana is like 20 public lands yeah. and idaho something like 55 percent public land yeah we've so, all
0: seen the show yellowstone that guy owns half of montana
2: That's yeah, exactly montana is owned idaho is public open for business i bet you didn't think you're getting yellowstone drops on an fcs <laughs> football <laughs> podcast but hey you are where you are welcome to the show folks all right guys joshua hoffman he's got another one for us it's too important not to discount him here are pigs in a blanket any good and he wants to know where he can fight you if you say no josh we're sdsu ndsu fans and now we need to fight over pigs in a blanket give me an og original hot dog i'm not interested in it wrapped all the way around i want the opening for ketchup and mustard no pigs in a blanket for this guy not my thing sorry sorry boys hold
0: hold on do you not do pigs in a blanket like the kyler Neal way sausage in a pancake
2: oh okay that seems like a different category we're going into breakfast food there and that's going. i fun-
0: only do breakfast pigs yeah. in a blanket because i'm definitely- i think
2: you're referring to a
1: corn dog that's different than pigs in a blanket. <laughs> is that different than pigs in a blanket? Yes. Is that a different thing? Well, yes. No.
0: Like I've done pigs in a blanket with a mini, the little small. Yeah, but stuff.
1: but it's not on a stick.
2: No. Yeah. Pig, oh, wait, you're no, talking a corn dog. dog. No. No. The, the hot dog sticks out on the ends, and then there's the wrap around it. Is that
0: a yeah. pig in a blanket, or that's is that a, a, that's a that's still a pig in a blanket? But the best okay. way because it's blankets, it's cold. You go to the morning route. You have a breakfast pig in a blanket sausage. Pancakes. That's that's no question. That is the best morning food for football.
1: Well, either way for me, uh, breakfast food or overprocessed pork, I don't care. I'll eat it. Heck, <laughs> <And laughs> I dropped ham in my beer at Frisco,
2: baby, and drank
1: the yeah. whole thing.
2: <laughs> and there you go. That's Chris and Kyler are the real men. This unshaved baby face just can't handle <laughs> the real stuff. So, um, there you go, guys. Mister Joe Gas wants to know. An awesome fan of Delaware. Would you give up your spot to get the vaccine if it meant your team would get a seed for the playoffs? Woo. Um, you guys know I have um, some military guard affiliation. So I have no option of when I say no or yes to the vaccine. So I have no option here, Joe. And uh, I think NDSU hopefully will get a seed anyways. So I will remain out of this conversation. Kyler, what do you think, man? You going to forgo the, the, seat, the vaccine for a seed?
0: Dude, I go to a school called Eastern Washington. We play most roads on the game anyway. We will play anyone, anywhere. I don't care if it's road, home. I don't care. We're just going to play. No, I don't want to seed. There's only four given out this year. I don't want to seed. I want to go on the road. I want to beat Weber at Weber.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Idaho hasn't made the playoffs, so giving up <laughs> my spot to be safe compared to like being seeded when there's still like five chances I get in anyways – a little too too much risk-reward there for me. Uh, maybe if he said for a playoff spot, I would consider it. But for a seed, I don't need the seed. I just want to go to the dance. I don't care if it's with the prettiest girl. Yeah, with, just, with no, the invite. With no, buy.
2: With no just, buy, it may not matter as much. So just, just give me the
0: invite. Just give me the invite. I, <laughs> I just want to go. State. He talks about <laughs> Idaho being all public lands, and that's the reason why Idaho is better than Montana. And then he goes, hey, I just want to date. I don't." never said they were there. better.
1: I said – it depends what you want.
2: Depends what you want. And Montana's yeah,
1: great. The Harvard of the Palouse. is it? that's Idaho. Oh, the West. Oh.
0: oh, my bad.
2: All right. Last two, uh, last couple questions here. Real quick ones. Chris, Dustin Helton wants to know, do you know how to properly pronounce? Do you know the team? Duquesne. Duquesne. All right. Duquesne, former
1: home of Karim Coles, Idaho van quarterback recruit. So yes, I do know Duquesne. He finished up playing wide receiver there last year. There you go. I'm the go. champion of the NAC. Dustin, you know this. NEC. I said NEC. Oh,
0: I thought you said NAC. I was like, oh man, you just burned yourself. <laughs> My bad. The, I
1: misread the that. beer, might have slurred, but I meant <laughs> NEC. If it did say NAC,
2: Northeast Conference, Eastern Conference. Northeast. Love it. The man. The man knows many areas and many public lands and private. Um, Mike Hallgreen wants to know, he wants to know, are there going to be spring ball ball games televised? It sucks for him as a Grizz and a Cats supporter that they aren't doing any because of minus 21 degrees and bad weather and other factors. Um, Just answer your question, Mike. You're going to be seeing it if you're watching this on YouTube. Right now, you're seeing a current screenshot from Sam Herter's Twitter account. He is updating these things as they come through. So follow Sam Herter on Facebook and Twitter. He's with Hero Sports. He's going to be showing the updated list of where you can view these actual uh, broadcast, whether it be ESPN plus three or other flow sports and streaming broadcasts. So, uh, last one here, guys, Ben Schlieger wants to know, will there be any collaboration with other popular podcasts and publications this year, such as the big sky podcast network, all the other friends within podcasts, the JMU one, or other credible podcasts. So, um, I know Kyler's going to blast this away. So Kyler, do you want to give the, the non-official answer? And then I'll, I'll swing it back with the good cop or how do you want to do this?
0: Well, I mean, already you have two members of the Big Sky Podcast Network right here on the podcast. <laughs> so so obviously there is collaboration, but it's cheat codes because Chris and I are also on. Uh, but I mean, this isn't our first episode. We actually had a couple preview episodes with maybe the podcast Cocky Nation, Brandon Owens. He jumped on the mm. podcast before Chris was an admin. I think Chris has been on with Tubbs at the club. We've had Sam Herder on before. I'm going to be honest, we are most likely going to do collabs, uh, but who knows? Who knows what happens?
2: Perfect. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. We're going to try to, I'm going to amp this up quite a bit throughout the spring, guys. We're going to do interview individual one-on-one episodes with some people from our page. We're going to be do collaborations with others. So be expecting some DMs. We're going to be sliding in and looking to bring some more people on the show, especially with this new StreamYard stuff we got going on. So, all right, guys, that is all the questions that we received. We want to just kind of wrap things up a little bit. We'll start number one with just a prediction for the game of the week real quickly. And then Chris uh, Hammond, are you interested in providing us with some betting lines after we do the game of the week? Not this week, no. It took me forever to find the spreads. I have a connection now, but
1: we'll have to go week one with no spreads. Best Mm -hmm. of luck to you gamblers out there.
2: No worries. Looking forward, guys, in the future weeks when Chris is on to a gambling segment. But just your guys' pick of the week. This Friday, the big one, you and I, SDSU, who do you believe comes out on top? Who do you think? What do you think the final score is? Uh, myself from the Missouri Valley, I believe you and I, while they are heavily predicted this year to do better, I don't know if they've improved enough with what they're sending to the draft and grad transfers to replenish that on such a short season. Uh, they didn't play in the fall. If South Dakota State's quarterback play can be there, they have Pierre Strong coming back. I know they lost Kate Johnson. I am going to take South Dakota State in a close matchup, and I will say 27 to 21, South Dakota State. So, Kyler, what do you think, man? Game of the week, SDSU, you and I.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the game of the week. That's such a good game to watch. I'm excited about that. Um, here's the deal you and I is never an easy game. Um, they are always a tough battle, no matter who's playing them. It, I mean, it's very rare someone. Beats that breaks off you and I. No matter what, it seems like they come in tough. They are—they're just a tough team. Matthew Frazee, you said they lost quite a bit of people, and also they just have one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna say it: their offense is equivalent to Northern Arizona's defense. It is pure. Sh-. So I'm gonna say it. Um, I think South Dakota is in a better prime position, but you just can't run away against Northern Iowa. They are a tough team. They are going to battle you, even if their offense is bad. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think, you know, maybe South Dakota state, it's going to be 17, 13 type of a game. And it's just because Northern Iowa's defense is strong, but their offense is so bad. I don't think they can score on many teams.
1: Speaking of that, South Dakota state ranked higher than North Dakota state, South Dakota state, 24,
2: nine. Ooh, I like it. There you go. So we're Jack across the board. We will admit if we were wrong or right next week, guys. Hey, that concludes our inaugural episode. And hopefully the only inaugural spring episode we ever have for FCS fans nation as things get back to normal for us. Um, thank you so much for supporting us guys. You can check this episode out on YouTube, anywhere you can find your podcasts. Um, if you want to watch it, or if you just want to listen to it, uh, definitely check out our other sites, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for FCS fans nation. Uh, make sure to be on the page because we're going to have pick them challenges going. We're going to have playoff challenges, brackets, money, prizes, things to win. So thank you so much for joining us, guys. Kyler, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And obviously, we'll be seeing you guys in future weeks. Kyler, stay safe down there. Um, Stay warm. I hope you guys in Texas come through this and everybody else. Stay safe. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. FCS fans, nation. FCS football is back. The groundhog has seen the shadow. It's time for spring ball. Enjoy the games, boys. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for joining us. Boom. Boom. End of me That was the end of me, Dad.